But um, kids, we really want we really want to try and get back to you being able to go out for your own stuff every week. Um, and I'm sorry that you sometimes have to sit in with us. And I know it's hard to follow sometimes because the preaching's kind of mainly aimed at the adults. And um, so listen along this morning, but please know that we are doing our best. And adults, we really do need. Uh, I know we keep asking, but we just need some more help. Um, Peter, give everyone a wave. There he is, the amazing Peter. He does an awesome job um, with the rest of the team, um, but we'd love to go to every week if we can. So please, I know we keep asking, we're asking for youth, um, we're asking for more stewards, we're asking for lots of help. It, it, it's been a while, hasn't it? And it's, it's been challenging and, and everything's kind of like, ah, oh, we've got to start doing things again. And Actually, um, I spoke about that a little bit in a moment um, last week. I wasn't preaching last week. Judith did a, a brilliant job um, speaking on, on God's promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, but there was a moment in the meeting, if you were here or if you were watching online, um, where I appealed to people who are at home. And by the way, those of you that are here, and I know some of you have responded to that this morning, thank you so much. We are so happy um, to see you um, back with us. But in that moment um, last week when I, when I came out and just shared a little bit, and it wasn't planned, but I did acknowledge um, that we find ourselves in a bit of a place of weakness. We find ourselves in a bit of a place um, of vulnerability. And I hope it's okay. I want to I just talk openly and honestly this morning. And um, this is quite personal to us and our journey. And if you're visiting us uh, today, you're really welcome. I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will help you to take stuff from that as well. Um, but I just want to um, talk openly a bit about our journey. Because we, we come to where we are today on, on the back of a number of different things, a different number of things that have gone on in our journey together as a church community. And clearly, uh, we have the pandemic in common with everyone. Yeah, clearly, you know, churches um, all over have um, just been wrestling with how to respond to different things that kept changing. And do you remember back at the start when we thought it would probably all be over in about six weeks? <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, we rushed to being online as a church and, and I, I just, you know, we quickly like cleared out the offices and I thought we'd be back really quite quickly, How, you know, we didn't know it would be like over two years um, later that we were trying to kind of get going again, and that's a lot of momentum to lose, isn't it? Um, and I know everyone, not just the church, but, you know, right across society, we're trying to work out how to get things going again, aren't we? Um, but of course, for us, um, and, and those of you that have been part of us um, for some time, you know that 2019 was a really challenging year for us as well. And I know I've, I've said before, I remember kind of New Year's Eve um, between 2019 and 2020 thinking it can't get any worse than 2019. And then along came two years of a pandemic. Um, but it was a difficult time for us as a church. There were leadership challenges in the church. Um, and I want to take a moment to acknowledge that because those who have been around a long time um, in our church family know that it's not the first time that there have been leadership struggles and challenges in our church. In fact, um, we, some of us went um, to receive some prophetic ministry from a prophetic team up in Glasgow um, a couple of months ago now. And um, 
the team there, without knowing our history at all, highlighted to us a, um, I guess, a way the, the enemy has exploited something in our midst as a church community over the years, throughout the years, of leadership struggles, of power plays, of challenges. And obviously, um, those kind of things are massively complex and complicated. But, you know, apart from anything else, I acknowledge it takes two to have a power play. Um, and I want to say, for my part, for our part, Judith and I want to say, for our part in any of that, for mistakes that we have made along the way, we are really sorry. And the reason it's so important for us to do that and to acknowledge that, to acknowledge our own repentance before God, to ask for your forgiveness, the reason that's so important is that's the way we cut off the hold that the enemy can have on us in any area of life. This applies for all of us, doesn't it? In any area of life, when something becomes a stronghold, where something becomes a way that the, the enemy is attacking us or, or exploiting us, the only way that we can deal with that is to acknowledge that and to renounce that, to confess where we've got things wrong and to say we don't want any part of that because we don't want. We're determined. Judith and I are determined as a leadership, we are determined that this will not be a part of our future. So for the mistakes that we made in that season, I know some of you are just like, can we just move on from 2019? But we just felt it was important to say this in this moment so that we can move on for mistakes that we've made, for things that we've got wrong, for ways in which decisions we made, the way we tried to handle things may have hurt you. We're sorry. Of course, on the back of that came the pandemic, and we did our best to respond to that. Um, and we felt God really speaking to us very clearly. In fact, it's something that, that many churches, um, many church leaders I've spoken to have been sensing God really challenging the same thing about following Jesus, not looking like just turning up at church. Yeah? About how he's got so much more for us. Um, and, and God was really stirring that in our hearts, and, and we were therefore rightly trying to respond to that. And, and those of you, again, that have been around know that part of that then was us saying, well, we can't just like have a meeting. We've got to be in, you know, we, we want to be in real community. We want to be um, in discipleship. We want to be missional. And, and in our passion and in our zeal to respond to that, we started to plan. And, and, and again, as you know, those of you that have been around, we start to say, well, look, here's a way we can do this and we can break down into smaller communities. And, and some of you said, we don't want to do that. And we said, well, we are going to do that. And some of you said, no, we're not going to do that. And we shouted a little bit louder, yes, you are going to do that. Um, and we blinked first. Um, we came to realize that we were trying to force something ahead of time and we've already acknowledged that. But I want to, again, say it was a misstep on our part. We know that you need longer. We know we need to work together. We know that some of you have felt that we weren't listening. Uh, and again, I want to say for that, I'm sorry. We're sorry. We want to listen. We want to engage. We want to keep faithfully bringing to you what we believe God is saying to us as a church community. But we want to work out together how we can respond to what God 
is saying. Haggai, a prophet, lived about 520 years BC before Jesus. He lived um, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been conquered by the Babylonians and the Jewish people 70 years before Haggai had been taken into exile. So they'd been in exile in foreign lands under captivity from the Babylonians. Uh, and the Babylonian Empire then got overthrown by the Persians. Uh, and the Persians had allowed any Jews that wanted to, to return to the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem, which lay in ruins, by the way, because the Babylonians had come, they'd attacked Jerusalem, they'd taken God's people off into exile. God's people are in exile under Babylon, but then Babylon gets replaced by the Persians, and the Persians say, if you want to go back to Jerusalem, you can go back. You follow the story? Yeah? So some of the Jews have come back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem lies in ruins. Just to give you the context, when we read the passage in the Bible, two of the names that you'll come across, Joshua is the high priest, and Zerubbabel is a descendant of King David. So he's like the prince um, of the people. And those are two of the key kind of leaders in that time when God's people return to Jerusalem. So they return and they begin to rebuild Jerusalem. And then Haggai comes along in Haggai chapter 1. It's one of those short little prophetic books towards the end, just about three or four books back from the end of your Old Testament. So the best way to find Haggai is to find Matthew and work backwards. Okay? Um, and he says, he says um, they've been focusing, the people of God, God's people, the Jews, have been focusing on rebuilding their own homes um, while neglecting the temple of God. So they've started rebuilding, but they, their priority has been on building their own houses um, rather than the temple of God. Now, when we were praying for Ukraine earlier and, and Judith was speaking to us, she, she actually spoke quite a bit about the whole thing of the temple, uh, the house of God, and, and reminded us that for us now, we're the house of God. Yeah? And this is really important when we read Old Testament prophecies like this because we mustn't start thinking it's all about a building. Of course, in, the, in their context, in the Old Testament, it was a building at the center of where God's people lived. And the whole point of that temple was it represented the presence of God. It was how God was able to be present amongst his people. It was, it was where his glory dwelt. Now, the Old Testament word for glory means the significance or weight of something. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about like his significance, his weight. It's like his majesty. It's like the, I don't know, it's hard to put into words other than just saying glory, isn't it? It's like the, the, the wonder and, and amazement of everything, of all his significance. In fact, when the glory comes in the Old Testament temple, when the temple is finished and God's glory fills the temple, we read that the um, Old Testament priests were unable to do their ministry because they couldn't stand in the presence of God when that glory came. It was like the weight, literally thinking about that, it was like the weight of who God is was just too much um, for them. 
in that um, temple, there was a curtain. And that curtain separated what was called the most holy place from the rest of the temple. And such was the presence and the glory of God, the magnificence of who God is, that in that Old Testament temple, it was only once a year that the high priest, so one person once a year could go beyond that temple to perform certain sacrificial duties on the Day of Atonement. And then they would come back out again. In fact, they even had like bells on the bottom of um, their robe. And, and I, I think they had a rope attached to their foot that if the bells stopped ringing, they would be able to pull them out because no one could go in to get them. Yeah? Such was the... Mag- it's hard for us to get our heads around that, isn't it? We just kind of read these stories. But such is the just the awesomeness, the weight, the magnificence, the breathtaking presence of God that he longs to have in the midst of his people, which is why it is utterly amazing when we read in our New Testament gospel accounts of Jesus dying on the cross and in that moment the temple curtain being torn from top to bottom. Can you imagine? This is a, this is a place so holy so filled with the magnificence of God that one person once a year can go in and even then we're afraid he might die. And now suddenly that temple curtain is ripped in two because the heart of God is he wants his glory, he wants his magnificence, he wants his love and his justice and his mercy, everything that's wow about God. Everything that ever took your breath away about God, he wants all of that out here. He wants it housed not any longer in a building built with bricks or stones, but he wants that glory, that wow, that magnificence housed in a building made of living stones. As Peter says in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, he says, I think that's right. Forgive me if it's not. Um, He says, you're being fitted together as living stones. In Ephesians 2.20, Paul says um, that we're a temple, a dwelling place for God's spirit. We're being built together as God's people. So when we read about this temple in the Old Testament, it's so important that we read about us. As the people of God. God's desire that this magnificent glory would be made manifest in our lives. So, back to Haggai. Haggai has challenged, as we said, those Jews who returned to Jerusalem to stop focusing all their efforts on building houses for themselves. Now, this isn't the main point of what I'm trying to say this morning, but there is, there is a challenge for us here, isn't there? Just a, a healthy challenge for us to think about how are we rebuilding after a pandemic? To think about our own lives and where our priorities are right now. As we think about the lives we want to rebuild, the future that we want to have, how high up on that list is the house of God, not King's house. Not King's Church, the organization, but the people of God. The people of God 
carrying and manifesting the glory of God in the midst of our world. How high up on our list of priorities is that? It's a great challenge to think about, isn't it? Well, the people who heard Haggai, they responded to his message and they started to rebuild the temple. And this is what I really want to focus on. As they started to rebuild the temple, they realized it doesn't look that great. They realized when we think back to this awesome and amazing temple that we used to have, this feels a bit rubbish. We used to have kids work every week. And now, if we're lucky, the kids get a coloring sheet. And today, I'm not even sure they got that. We used to have youth with so many people coming along, and, and now it's, it's struggling a bit, and they're having to ask for leaders all the time. And we used to do the VIP ministry, and, and so many people who were struggling with homelessness, homelessness would come in, and they're not doing that at the moment. And, and it could be countless other things, couldn't it? We used to be part of a, oh, I loved going to, to church in the home back in the day. And, and our group had this great feeling. And, and then they came along and changed the structure again and ruined it. And, uh, and now what we've got now, it's just not what it used to be. Or it could be any number of things, couldn't it? Do you remember when we used to have loads of students? And now we've not got quite as many students as we used to have. Great to have some new students with us today. Um, but it could be, you get the point I'm making, it could be any number of things that right now we look around us and we say, yeah, we're trying to rebuild, but it's kind of discouraging, isn't it? When we compare what we have now, and there's a real danger that we just kind of like, because we're all really worn out already, right? It, anyone else tired after two years of pandemic? Yes, we're worn out, agreed? We're worn out, we're a bit discouraged, we're a bit fed up. And so you, you kind of try and, you try and, yeah, okay, we'll try and, but then you look around and you say, this isn't as good as it was. So in that context, let's read Haggai chapter 2, Bible at last. <laughs> Haggai 2, 1 to 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater 
than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Amen. When we look around us today and compare with what we might have known in the past, we could be discouraged. When we think about the church, we know that God wants us to be. The kind of church where everybody gets to be powerful. The kind of church where everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit and confidently using the gifts of the Spirit that God has given them. Where they know that their contribution is valued. Where they feel encouraged and empowered and equipped for the mission that God has given them in their own context. Where they feel valued. Where everyone feels valued and wanted and respected and listened to. Where everyone knows that they're part of a family and that they have a crucial part to play. And that the part that they play really will make a difference. Where everyone is actively serving, following Jesus, becoming more like him, and fulfilled in the process. When we think about that church that God longs for us to be, how does what we have look to us now? Does it not seem to us as nothing? But now be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong, you leaders. Be strong, all you people, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. My spirit remains among you. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. Because what God can do is not dependent on what we can achieve in our own efforts. It's not about our plans or our strategies or even our resources. God knows that we need those things and so he will supply them. He is the God who provides. He will provide the strategies. He will provide the direction. He will provide the resources. The only thing necessary on our part is faith and obedience. To trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. I'm not going to sing. We have to repent when he shows us we've got it wrong. Which is why it was important for me to start where I started today. We have to repent when we know we've got it wrong. We have to ask God for forgiveness. We have to ask others for forgiveness. And then we come to him and we engage our faith. We engage our trust. We rely upon his grace and upon his mercy because God is not done with us. This is not a message about trying harder. I don't want any of you to hear that. You know, you know, Haggai says, and work. Did you notice that? He says, and work. But he says, and work because God is with you. 
This is not about trying harder in our own effort. This is not about looking back and going, oh my goodness, we're not where we were. Our leaders are really grumpy that we're not where we were, and so they just want us all to volunteer for everything and try harder. And, and we're already... No, this, this message is not that. This, is mes- this message is about encouraging you because the church is not about the organization. The church is not about us as, as leaders. This is our church. The church is about Christ in you, the hope of glory. The church is about his people being the house of God, containing the glory of God in the midst of our world. And God is with you, my friends. God is with you. God is with you. And the reason he invites you to work is because he is with you. Not because some leaders were asking you to work. Not because someone was beating you or cajoling you. But because God is with you. His power is in you. His Holy Spirit is upon you. He's got great things for you to do. To put him on display in your world. He's got amazing ways for you to show his love and his goodness. His his compassion and his grace His power through supernatural healing, his tender mercy through coming alongside the marginalized or the people in need with lack to be his source of provision. All kinds of ways, wonderful, marvelous ways for you to put his glory on display. He's with you. That's why we should work, because God is with us. Not because we're trying harder to do something for him or anyone else. But because he says, my spirit is in you. He calls us to work because he is with us. He calls us to work because he wants to do things through us. And that's why we keep talking. And we're going to keep on talking as a church right now about how much we need this fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because God dwells in you by his spirit. Not King's Church, the organization, or any other particular local church or denomination. He dwells in you. He manifests his glory in you. Uh, The prophet Ezekiel, he also um, prophesies a lot about the glory of God and the temple. In fact, when Ezekiel starts out in his prophecy, he's warning people that because of their disobedience, the glory is going to leave the temple. And that happens. And then he starts prophesying encouragements, and the glory is going to return to the temple. And in that context, in Ezekiel 37, um, God shows Ezekiel a valley of dry bones. Remember that story, some of you? Um, and he sees these valley of dry bones, and God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel seemingly doesn't really know, because he says, you alone, Lord, no. And God says to him, Prophesy to those dead bones, Ezekiel. Prophesy that they can live again. Then he says to him, prophesy the breath of God. Interestingly, the, the Hebrew word for breath or wind is the same word as spirit. He says, prophesy the spirit, the breath of God coming into those bones. And he sees as he does that, the bones come together and they start, flesh starts to appear on the bones and, and they come to life. The Spirit of God comes on what seems dead, what seems finished, what seems over. The Spirit of God comes and brings new life. Where we would have looked at those bones and said, how on earth could they live? God says, prophesy the Spirit of God. 
and what is dead will come to life again. And 10 chapters later in Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel is seeing the temple and he's seeing a river of God coming from underneath the threshold of the temple. And that river flows out from the temple and into a desert valley where everything is dead and dreary and finished and wasteland. And suddenly there are fish in the river. And suddenly there is life coming on the banks of that river. And there are trees on the banks of that river. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And wherever that river goes, it brings life. See what God can do by his spirit. Remember what Jesus said, Judah preached about it last week. Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. You're the temple. We're the temple. Not the organization, not the structure, but us, the people. We are the temple. And when God pours out his spirit in our lives, he is able to send us into desert places, into dry and weary places that we wondered if it could ever be the same again. And he can bring new life by his spirit in his people. But now be strong declares the Lord. Be strong, you leaders. Be strong, all you people, declares the Lord. And work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We seem to enjoy the days of Elijah earlier, so let's go with that again as we respond. Let's just not just sing a song, but as we sing together, let it be an expression of our faith and trust in God, that he is able to do abundantly and exceedingly beyond what we even ask or imagine, that he is not done with us. We've had our challenges along the way. You know, I've talked openly. I've been tried to be vulnerable with you. But of course, we've all got our own things that we might need to come and do business with God about. And we say, God, we come to you in humility. We come to you with trust and expectation. Pour out your spirit and manifest the greatest glory we've ever known in and through our lives. Amen.